on this week's episode of Loose Change Podcast, oh boy, do we have the content for you. Leafs, Lightning, we'll look at it. Penguins choking, so did your girl last weekend. Uh, what else we got? You'll have to wait and see this week on the Loose Change Podcast. We'll be talking stinky teams. It's a couple stinky po- boys coming at you now with the Stinky Podcast. Hello, everybody. And welcome back to that stinky Loose Change podcast. This is your favorite hockey podcast and the most informative one. It's your host, Tyler Two Cents, here with Brayden. It's a one-on-one pod. Kai and Stu cannot make it. I'm pretty sure both of them are in court for things that we cannot disclose on air just yet. But just know it is not of moral justness. It's a stinky edition. You know, in the words of a smart guy I once knew and still know, chicks love stinky guys who smell cigarettes and don't smell like cigarettes and don't have jobs. See, that's not true. I'll, so I have a girlfriend, <laughs> my Hannah. She's the designer. She makes all the real shout out Hannah. Um, she doesn't like the smell of cigarettes. In fact, she hates it. But the second she sees me holding a cigarette, there's something that, that like takes over her because I look so cool. Smoking. But you you have a job and you smell good. I know you smell good. Mm, so, I do. so you're missing on those. But a I shower guy three or four times a day. Who sm- I'm not even joking. I legitimately in high in, in university, all of university that uh, I showered three times a day, every single day uh, in university. Really? Yeah. Why was that? Uh, I'd wake up and shower because like you got to wake up and like shower because like you're just waking up. You got to wake gym, up somehow. shower. So and then well, exactly. And then I go to the gym because I'm yoked um all these years and not really having the results i don't know what's going on maybe it's the four thousand calories of alcohol and mcdonald's i put in my system on a friday and saturday night every week um but then yeah after the gym you got a shower so you don't get stinky and get uh gross in the in your nether regions and then uh in uni i was like fuck it my utilities are cheaper i'm not getting i'm not paying utilities i'm having a nighttime shower to be clean before bed and because it's a nice little thing to do um so i had three showers a day for about three and a half years and then when i moved in with kai uh, my utilities were no longer paid for, so I had to uh, cut that down a little bit. Understood. And I do want to remind listeners that this is an official hockey NHL playoff edition podcast. How often do you think hockey players shower in a day? Two times. Tops. Right, wake up, and then after a game? They're not as squeaky clean as you, if that's what you're trying to get at. I'm like a rubber duck. <laughs> you're a rubber fuck. Anyways, we're getting into the Penguins choke. Let's start with the Penguins choke. Because they have been choking. No induendo needed here, Brayden. How did they lose to Chicago 5-2? They don't have a real They must win. They don't have a real leader like JT Miller. I don't want to get every single time. We can't have this Canucks (laughs) fandom seeping into the podcast, especially during the playoff preview edition. Okay, so is is it that they didn't trade for a good player like JT Miller? Is it that... Uh, they decided to protect 39-year-old Jeff Carter over 40-goal scorer Jared McCann. Is it that they had to waive their entire third line after well, signing Braden, him to a lot about, of money? Like that specific game. Why did they lose that specific game? Because a lot of what I've been hearing from the pundits, because I've been listening for the last two days, is that it's the looseness of Chicago and it's the tightness of the Penguins needing that game. Do you think that played a factor into that at all? No, I think that's stupid. I think I think like, so too. Thank you. 
I think that's like in Moneyball when when they sit down at the player at the tables of the young players and go, "When I know, I know, and you have five tools and you're gonna make it." That's bullshit. You don't know. You don't Funny, know art. That Moneyball reference almost made no relation. <laughs> you're just so excited that you watched Moneyball yesterday that show. you wanted no, to add it in. Because it's like the scouts in baseball. They go, "Oh, when I know you're gonna make it, we know." And it's just like it's the same thing here. Oh, why didn't they win? Oh, because one team's loose and one team's tight. Buddy, you're thinking of your girl. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the looseness and the tightness. Oh, fuck. The I worst team and the best team. That. Like, there's not, a, it's not like there's, like, and the NHL's parody, right? Like, that's number one. It's like the worst team on any given night can always still beat the best team in the NHL. That's the way it works. Right. It's a little yeah, pathetic that with your season on the line, you can't show up more. Um, but to me, we shouldn't be here in the first place. You have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. Injury, you know, injury length aside, those, you know, Malkin and Letang, or sorry, Malkin and Crosby, the Penguins shouldn't have been in a must-win game in game 81 of the season. Like, that was yeah. that's my point, right? Is It should never have gotten to this point. For sure, but this is a week-to-week podcast, and we've been talking about that for a few weeks now, so <laughs> we have to react to what's going on in the moment and what happened is that they absolutely choked. And I want to hear a larger reaction from the hockey world because this amazing playoff run every single year for the last 16 years that Crosby's been doing this, it's over. He's not making the playoffs this year. And that's a crazy stat to lose. It's a crazy record to go away. And it's just something that we should be talking about, especially as a hockey podcast. Yeah, I think it's being talked about. I mean, like, there was fire Hextall chance in the arena at the end of the game. I'm just hearing this from a Leafs perspective. I'm just imagining what would happen if this was Toronto. You know what I mean? It'd just be so much. It'd be a tire fire. But yeah, do you think management at this point? Because as we record this, the Islanders are playing Montreal. They're already winning. I'm going to assume they get a point tonight and lock it up. And the Penguins have choked and not made the playoffs. Yeah. Are we looking at change in management? Is it just I don't think so. Miller? player trade that's yeah. and roll it back is that what we're going with not even to make it like a Canucks centric thing I legitimately believe we know that they were wanted to like we know that the Canucks are the ones that were like opening the JT Miller conversations that's a Brian Burke player like I I don't think management changes because management you got to give five years right look how bad Benning was for like as long as he was they they isn't changed so I don't think that we're gonna see Hexall get fired yet just because like isn't he only a year or two into the job yeah he's new that's for sure yeah so he I don't. I, I. I think it's enough to judge him on already to fire him. But how the NHL works, they're gonna go. No, he doesn't have enough time. It hasn't been enough time for his vision to take place yet. We give him but more time. I feel so. It's been modernizing in that way, especially with Crosby and Malkin. Just the with the Penguins, especially, too. don't you feel as though that it's more all pressing, all in this year, this off season, especially after what happened last year. Last off season, they pushed the chips all in. And now the chips are on the table and they have to try and win a pot if you So who gets fired to you? To me, you don't fire anyone, but you if someone gets fired, who gets fired is my point, right? Who gets fired if someone gets fired? We're talking management. What are we talking? I think that the coach is safe. I've heard that from Elliot Friedman, and that's why I think okay. that. But in my eyes, it would be the coach first. That's just from my perspective. 
take away yeah. all the pundits saying that Mike Sullivan is safe, which is what everyone's been saying. What do you yeah, think? Um, do you think you started the coach as well, or do you go straight to GM and ownership? Coach always goes first because coach is the first bullet, right? Once you fire the coach, you get to bring in your own guy now. And Sullivan's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NHL behind John Cooper. I believe he's second. Everyone's got a time, man. Everyone's got an expiration date and maybe it's Sullivan's time. And with the same core that's been winning, I hear you. Yeah. The only part that makes me go, maybe it's the coach is that you can't get your team. Who's clearly better than a team. Who's trying to be as bad as they can to beat them in a must win game. Like, something's up there number two i guess my other point was that if management changes that's the wait, wait 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 was that point suggesting that sullivan should be fired uh, because my idea i want to like back up and make it clear to listeners i don't think sullivan's a great a bad coach i think he no, is a, he's a good coach. coach and i don't know if a great coach getting fired is a good idea or not but at the at, at the same time after missing the playoffs this year and being kicked out in the first round for years before, you have to change something. Yeah, but as good as you get, the message gets old, right? Messages get stale. Even Scotty Bowman got fired, right? A coach is hired to get fired. So I don't... They have a shelf life, Brady. They do, and that's my point, right? What I wanted to get at, though, is that as far as management changes, the highest up I can see it going is Hextall gets fired. Cool. Great. What does that do to the team? Well, my point being there, the president's Brian Burke. We've read you his book and we've seen his team's philosophy. Any change in philosophy if Hextall goes, but Burke stays? No, I actually no. think the same offseason would occur Yeah, despite the GM. I think that's a good point, Brayden. I think uh, so. I'm with you in that. I think it goes player trade is the most likely thing. Um, I, strong, I would put money on JT Miller being moved to the Penguins in the offseason. Yeah. All right. I agree with that. And the Penguins at this point of the season and for the next few months of the podcast aren't going to be spoken of much. They're not in the lottery and they're not going to be in the playoffs. So let's move to the playoffs. Jeff Carter and um, uh, Marcus Patterson for JT Miller. That's a trade. You heard it here first and I hope I can clip it. Now let's go into some playoff previews. Next week, the playoffs start on the April 17th. We'll get a playoff preview out around that time, previewing every single series. But let's start with the meaty ones. A couple in the East. Let's start with the Leafs and Lightning and do a little bit of a deep dive, Brayden. I love for us. I'm a Leafs fan. You're a Canucks fan. I love to hear my bias takes and your... I'd say relatively unbiased, accurate, <laughs> absolutely statistically backed conversation about the Leafs and Lightning. So let's compare goalies, forwards, defense, special teams. Let's go through it all. Where do you want okay. to start? You want to build from the back out or the from forwards to the goalie? Hockey teams are built like women from the back out. Tweet that first, and then Sorry, let's get into that. Felt a little misogynistic. I would just like to apologize for that statement. I can cut it out, but I, I think it's clear that this is a sarcastic show and that we love women. No cuts. Um, Yeah, starting goaltending, Vasilevsky versus Mr. Samsonov. Uh, Vasi has not had the best season, but it's Tampa. They turn it off in the playoffs. Running through that record, 59 games played, 34, 21, and 4. 2.63 goals against average. 
goals against average. Still a stat I don't understand. 916 save percentage. I get that. Uh, he's sixth in goal save above expected. That's good. So he's like not having a mediocre season as far as maybe by his standards, but by as far standards. as like goalies in general, he's way above the league average in save percentage, goals above yeah. expected, and goals above average. If as far as you take that stat, yeah. Looking over at Samsonov in 42 games played, uh, 27, 10, and 5 with a 2.33 goals against. Still don't know what that means. 919 save percentage. That's better. That's 0.003 better than Vasilevsky. Um, he's 10th in goal saved above expected, 0.436 a game. So they're actually the exact same in uh, their goals saved above expected per game. That's what is thing, notable. Eh? So- 0.436 goals saved above per expected per game. That's pretty good as far as goalies go. Yeah, so people wondering what that means, though, because advanced stats always mean nothing. Goals saved above expected, it's, you know, you save something that probably should have gone in by stats. So 0.436 goals saved above, that means you're saving, you know, one goal, goal every two games. Yeah, half a goal a game, one goal every two games. Um, the big thing to me when looking at Samsonov and Murray, it's been the story all year, right? We look at Samsonov's Home record, 19-3-3. That's godlike. 1.98 goals against with a 9.27 save percentage. That's Vesna right there. That's Vesna. That all year. But on the road, he's 8-7-2. That's, you know, under 500, really. Uh, 2.82 goals yeah, against with a 9.09. So that's a, that's a huge difference, right? Like We're looking at almost 20, 0. 0.20, 0.02 uh, difference in uh, save percentage from on the road to at home. So I, I don't know if the Leafs... With me looking at it, it's, do you think Sam? I mean, you're almost play? looking at like a goal a game difference, really. Yeah. So, and then to me, so here's the question is, we know Murray's out. I like Joseph Wall a lot. Um, Especially after that game against Tampa dude, last he night really where last he had 46 night. saves. So the question I want to ask you as the Leafs fan is, do you just give Samson the starters reins and let him, let him run? Or do you only give him home games or do you give him one away game at the start? And then if he falters, then it goes over to wall <laughs> on the road. Isn't that such a fun conversation? Because I feel as though that's never been done before a home goalie and away goalie. You ride the hot goalie, no matter what, that's just been the way it's been forever, right? You ride the starter and Samsonov, it's a starter, but with these home and away stats and with how good wool's been, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Wool is the future of the Leafs goaltending. I, I can say that. I feel really good about him. But you can't give the net to anyone besides Sammy outside of injury, Braden. I agree. It's, it's you, you pick your guy and you run with him. If he falters, for sure. You give, like, Wool's played well enough that you have confidence in moving over to him. But you got to give Samson the starters net and say it's your net run with it. And your point of the home away stats, that's kind of true of Vasilevsky too. And it's true of both teams. That's why home advantage is great for Toronto. Could be seen at going seven games. Bassey's 14 and 14 on the road. But the same as Samsonov. He's 27 and four at home. I just, I don't think that this advantage that the Lightning had last year at goaltender is true this year. I think it's pretty damn close because Vasilevsky has had a down year. I know he's the best goalie in the world, and I agree. I just think well, Samsonov's yeah. been pretty damn good too. I want to save my thoughts to the end to give my because my thoughts on Vasilevsky have applied to the team as a whole, but as a team as a whole, defense. Defense. So Leafs, uh, we're looking at McKay, Brody, Giordano, Riley, Liljegren, and then who knows Shen. 
Justin Hall, Connor Timmons. They got a lot of options. Personally, I'm thinking you go Luke Shen. The guy's a goat. The guy's got two Did Stanley you say Cups. Connor Timmons? He's not an option. Maybe Eric Gustafson, Maybe. man. Like Maybe they've got a fifty. On. They've got a fifty-five point defenseman that they're scratching right now, right? Like they got stuff. Lightning, uh, Hedman, Perbix. Who the fuck is that? Sergachev, Radish, uh, and then. Uh, Ian you Cole know what's funny, Braden? And, Perfect's uh, the sixth round pick of the Lightning. So he's just some rando good. that's going to be good. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, Eric Chernak, a uh, fan favorite of mine, Zach Bogosian uh, on the uh, on the scratches there. So, you know, it's... Uh, so you just read through those names. General ballpark, just regular givel vibes right now. Who's better? Leafs, Lightning, and defense. Who's got the better defense? different defenses just give me a straight up answer though just give me a yes or no. i know it's hard we'll get into the nuance after i don't know because here's here's I, like i don't because i i can't look at this without not looking at the nuance right the, the lightning nuance, the lightning are a more physical defense right you look at headman that guy's physical punishing don't know if enough about perfects in all honesty sergachev he can he can get that game going same with Radish, Chernak, and Ian Cole. Those are some physical, heavy defensemen. I love Eric Chernak. And even Bogosian, right? It's physical. They're heavy hitting. They can kind of do everything. They're really well-rounded. A lot of big defensemen. Not a lot of fast defensemen, I'll not be honest. Not a lot of fast, but the... And then, okay, so not a lot of fast. They, don't, they might not have the speed, but it's not like they're slow, right? They're average. I'll give uh, you that. Right? Because but they're it, big, they may look slower, but they're not that slow. They're average. No, they're speed. average, right? And then we look over at the Leafs. It's that more agile, puck-moving defense core, right? But they've still got that physical edge that they've brought in. McCabe they got some bruisers. A, McCabe's a bruiser. Brody and you want to talk that. about like defensive structure. That's McCabe, too. That's Brody, oh. too. That's Shen, too. Shen's got it, man. He's that physical. And then even like guys like Liljegren and Giordano, they can play with that little bit of an edge when they need to. Like It's not like those are small guys that are going to like they could stand the ground. Um, yeah, let's slow down, Braden, because you mentioned a couple podcasts ago what are your Leafs lines up playoffs, and ever since then, bro, I've been thinking about it, and I just want to go through it again. I think McKay Brody's top line. Uh huh. I think that's a good shutdown line. It's great, and then I don't know second third line. I'll call them whatever. Geo, we'll call the second line. Geo, I think you pair him with either Hall. Or Lilligren. I'm okay with either option. I think honestly, Lilligren and Hall provide similar uh structure in the defense. And then I go I go dressing Shen beside Riley. Do you agree with that? No. Because at, at you basically have this McKay Brody are locked in, Geo and Riley are locked into the lineup, and then you have Hall, Lilligren, and Shen to choose for Geo and Riley's partners. So who do you think would line up best game one for the Leafs? So I go, I'm with you, Pinkay Brody. That's a number one shutdown pair. That's your And I test advanced stats. They look so good. They yeah. have a 77% expected goals for on the ice together. I go Geo Liljegren. We've seen them play well together in the past. They have a lot and of experience together. The best, a lot of minutes together. They've got experience together. A lot of minutes together. I like that pair a lot. And I go Riley Shen. Shen's got the. Ex- I know the advanced stats haven't been the best, but they never have been with Shen. Um, it, it what a goal the other day too. 
the goal scorer gets a goal and then he goes and fights a former teammate right after and he kicks fucking ass. Big hit right after that too. The Gordy, how Dude, like Luke Shen has played with Quinn Hughes and he's looked great doing it there. He can do it with Morgan Riley. Shen, you need I don't it, it, to me, Shen is in the lineup for two reasons. Number one, just I think he's gonna be in. The other part is you don't go and spend a third round pick on a guy if you're not gonna play him. That's what I was thinking too. With but all that experience. They also did that with Luke Dan Vladar. But that's a year. different position, right? Goaltending. Yeah, that's we can't true. count goaltending. Yeah. Right? We look at a defenseman, and not just a defenseman, a physical defenseman, thousand games played in the NHL, all time NHL hits leader in defenseman, two Stanley Cups, right hand shot, physical, big D, like big D. Tweet that. You're, you're and you up. pair all that Braden with how good did he look against Tampa Bay, the actual fucking team that they're playing in a week. He played them the other night and he looked like the best defenseman there. Yeah. Like it, it's to me, you play uh, like Shen's in the lineup. If it's going to be the scratches, it's between Hall and Lilligren. I see. That's what I'm saying. I go I Shen's, Shen's with Riley. And then I go, I go Lilligren and man, like Hall's shown us what he does in the playoffs. Like, wow. He's a seventh defenseman. That's what he is. Yeah, but I think with this lineup, that's okay because you have six defensemen, seven defensemen ahead of him. Yeah, but I, uh, to me, Liljegren gives you the higher ceiling. Like that's what you go with. You go with Liljegren. I agree with that. I'm so it, on board with that. And also, there's something about the Leafs fan inside me that every single time Hall makes any mistake ever, I'm just gonna hate it a little bit more. Than he's not good, do. but. Yeah, and then, I don't know, looking at the defense, the big thing to me, right, when you look at the lineup, man, Tampa Bay's got the stars on defense. They got arguably the best defenseman in the game, Victor Hedman. I don't think that's arguable. Hedman is the best. Oh, I thought you meant in the series. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. In the league. It's arguably he's the best defenseman in the league. Best, no oh, question in the series, the best without in a the doubt. Series. Right, and like, I, there's still, he's not is a, he's not a trophy the second guy. best in the series. Yeah. I think so. I would put Brody ahead of him. I wouldn't. I think Sergeant is a great smooth skating. He can hit, he can score, he can do I think everything. Most That's the guy who's taken over Braden. from Hedman, right? I think like you're right. After that, that what's interesting with, with, with Tampa, we get into these debates on defense. You need a strong top four. Not necessarily. We look at Tampa, it's a strong right side. Hedman, Sergachev, Chernak. Yeah, well, you don't really need a strong player to play with Hedman because they're not going to play with a puck much. No, but that's my point, right? It's like it's not that it's their first two pairings are really strong, and then it's something else. It's they've got one really good guy on each pairing, and then the other guy is where it drops off, rather than your bottom pair is where it drops off. So it's not that you have to have the super strong top four. It's just you have to have good players on your defense. Amazingly enough, um, who cares what hand they are or where they play? So. So, yeah, you look at the Lightning defense, you say that's true. So every single line, you see a Hedman, a Sergachev, or a Chernak. I love Chernak. I wanted the Canucks to offer sheet Chernak. Like, I, I love Chernak. He's a better Luke Shen. He's a modern-day Luke Shen. Oh, Chernak is still great. Chernak right? is listed on the like, third line, but we both respect him as a top three defenseman of theirs. Yes. No question. That's a guy who can be your you know offensive-defensive partner. Right, your top pairing partner to an offensive defenseman. That's so we've compared the two now, Braden. Who do you like more? Because so far, 
I like the Leafs defense more. I like Tampa for one reason. That star power is what moves you through games. Stars win you games. Who's got more stars back on the DA? Um, the Lightning have one star, I think. I don't regard Sergeyev as a star. I think Hedman's the only star defenseman in the series. Okay, that that that's fair. I guess more so it's the top players that win you games. Let's put it that way. I I think Sergeyev is a top pairing defenseman on ninety nine percent of the teams in the NHL. Well, that's a great segue then because. Well, with goalies, I think it's pretty darn close. Tampa has a slight edge, in my opinion. You want to get to it later. At defense, I also, well, not I also, I think the Leafs have the edge. So now I think we're close. There's a point I want to, again, because my point from the goal attendings applies to the D. I want to save it to the end because it applies to the forwards here as well. Fair enough. So I'll speak from only my perspective. From my perspective, Tampa has a slight edge at goalie. Leafs have a slight edge at defense. And now let's get into what you say will make or break the series. And that is the stars in the top six, top six for the Leafs. I'm just going to throw out some lines. O'Reilly might play up there. He might not, but let's say he's not going to, it will be Yarncrow, Matthews, Marner, or some combination of this with Bunting, Tavares and Nylander. We'll get into Bunting in a little bit. The Leafs have, a bunch of stars in there with Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, and then two solid wingers, honestly, for top six in Yarn Crow Bunting versus top six of Tampa Bay, Hagel, Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, Sorelli, Kalorn. So I also see a bunch of superstars. There's Point, there's Kucherov, Stamkos, paired with a bunch of pretty great players in Hagel, Sorelli, and Kalorn. Who do you think has the, the matchup here? Who's winning here? Because to me, it's also Leafs by a bit. Leafs by a margin, but that margin might be split up by the uh, refs hating Michael Bunting and not letting him do anything. And let's get into that in just a bit, Braden. Because... I don't know if you could play Bunting in your top six with the way that the refs are treating him. All right, let's get into it. So there's about about a month and a half, maybe two months ago. that We got into it last week, so people are familiar with it here. Like, we did go in-depth on it last week about what they can do. That's right. Right? It's gotten worse. Last game, I don't know if you guys, if any of these beautiful listeners out there watched the game last night. But, you know, Tavares gets jumped by three Tampa Bay Lightning players. No call. The second, the second that Bunting puts his hands on, I think it's Belmar, to take him off Tavares, Raph's hand goes up and he points right at him. They're it's targeting ridiculous. him. They're like the only call that got called. The only penalty on the play was bunting for roughing. And this is just one anecdote, Braden, of many. And the stats back it up. Before he got pushed by that damn official, on thirty percent of the penalties he drew, he was also thrown in the box. It seems like a high number in general to be getting offsetting minors thirty percent of the penalties you draw. Eh, but you're a scrappy player. It's going to happen, scra- right? Exactly. Since then, since that linesman pushed him and it's been clear there's been a shift with these mm-hmm. linemen treating him differently, it's up to 70% Braden. 70% of the times he's drawn a penalty, he has also gone to the box. And with this anecdote that you brought up and many others and the eye test, he's not often deserving of these penalties. Nope. So going into a playoff series, how can... How can the Leafs play bunting 
and not be fucking frightened. Yeah. You got to play it to me. Like the fact that we're having a discussion about how you can manage a, where a player plays as a result of how the refs are treating him unfairly. Like, oh, I, I don't so know how disgusting. I, I don't know how my the league boil. doesn't go. Oh, maybe this is an issue. Like it's, it's so pathetic, but you, you got to play with the hands you're dealt to me. Uh, you put him on the third line. You think you just, you say, you know what? You shelter his minutes. Time. You try and let him get in and you fuck it. And they, I'm sure like <sighs> you've seen it. He hasn't been himself recently. Like they're, they've told him, rein it in a little bit. I don't that's not know, Brayden, because here's my problem with that. The first thing I hear as a Leafs fan is if everyone played like Michael Bunting, the Leafs would be better, not worse. So having less Michael Bunting, I get it with the refs thing, but <laughs> can you really ask him to not play right? like himself? You can't. That's why you put him on the third line. Yeah. Right. You can't take as many penalties as you if you're not out there as much. That's just the math. If you're gonna take a penalty, let's say, you know, you're gonna take uh, two penalty minutes for every, uh, I don't know, sixty minutes of ice time that you get. If you're only playing fifteen minutes a night instead of twenty. You're not. You're you're gonna reduce the amount of time that you're in the box, the amount of penalties that you get. So, I do that. I think you kind of feed him a bit more on power on on the power play, right? Feed him some more special time, uh, special teams, because you know that they don't like to call penalties on the power play. Um, and then right after a power play, like keep them off the ice, because you know that's when they try and even it up. Outside of that, like I don't know. Uh, he kind of has to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. But, and but the, the bottom least... six. The Leafs are going to have to deal with that. The, they have the stars, though, at the top six. I think they're outweighing Tampa's top six. The bottom six is where I think the differential may be made. Yeah, what's interesting to me, so bottom six of the Leafs, right? You go Lafferty, O'Reilly, Achari, uh, Zach Astermese, Comp, Kerfoot. Uh, looking at the Lightning, Colton, Nick Paul, fucking Michael Eisenman, I think the guy's name is. Patty Maroon, Belmar, Corey Perry, with Jeannot as a scratch. You know, you've got Nyes as the extra I think Nyes is in for Lafferty. I don't think Lafferty's starting the series. Well, Lafferty's actually also injured right now, so that's a very okay. fair assumption. I'm pretty smart. <laughs> so it could um, happen. He's also being like held out because playoffs are around the corner. So we'll see. Yeah. So you know what? Let's start. Let's start with Nyes first. What have you thought two games in? What are your thoughts on the kid? My biggest piss off is that my internet was actually out yesterday, so I couldn't even record a podcast or watch the Leafs game yesterday where he played first line. I saw some clips on Twitter. He looked great in the game before. He looked a little jumpy and scared, but also made some plays. So honestly, I can't give a good impression. Have you seen? Did you watch the game last night against Tampa Bay? Yeah, you want to hear my scouting report? Let's hear it. He's got a great defensive stick. His head's always on a swivel. He's looking around. The guy back checks great. He's got a good, like I said, good active stick. He had great Sounds amount like of takeaways. Disrupts the plays, like really good. And what I really like about him, and what I want you, both you, Tyler, and you, the listener, what I want you to pay attention to if you're watching Leafs games and Matt Nyes, watch his head. Watch his head game. Okay. He, you mean when he's like going, that or like when that? he's When he's going into the corner, Matthew Science go- got good. When head he's going game? into when he's going into he's got a great head game. When he's going into the corners, when he's going into puck battles, just any it's on a swivel. He's looking around and he's screening. Right, what's available to me? So he goes into that corner. He goes into that puck battle, or he you know he's protecting the puck. He knows where people are. Mm. Right, it saves you that time. You know where things are. You're able to get that puck out faster. Right, that's where those bl- seemingly blind 
blind passes come to it. It means that you're a smart hockey player. You're not reacting, right? You know what's going to happen in advance. You're planning your play out in advance. So that's really, uh, really, really, really strong indicator of a smart hockey player uh, who's going to be able to play in your top six. And because this happened months ago, Braden, I feel as though people forget that Nice has been the talk of the town for the week, but O'Reilly and Achari are maybe his line mates. Like that's a pretty good line. Eight, some that's line your third line. To, to me, that's your third line. He's a third line player. That's a big, heavy fucking physical. Like the kid's six three two ten. Yeah, that's a big boy. So him, O'Reilly, Achari. I like that line a lot. I think that's some a bang bruisers crash line maybe that can score. I um, that can score for sure. I, I, I that shelters them a bit more. I I like that. Like I like that a lot against. So you're going up against Colton, Paul, and Asamont with that. I feel like the Leafs dominate that matchup. Well, Nick Paul turns it on in the playoffs for whatever reason, and who knows? Maybe it's but Tanner Janot. I feel so good about Conn Smythe winner Ryan O'Reilly rising to the occasion and at least being better than Nick Paul. Yeah, and then looking at the fourth line, like. And then this is where I could start to get into it. But Zach Astromeans, Kampf, Kerfoot. Kerfoot does a lot of, like, nothing. Kerfoot on the fourth line is a great fourth liner because that's what you want from the fourth line is a bunch of Kampf, nothing. Yeah, Kampf is such a good fourth line center. He had a bunch of nothing. Zach Astromeans, nothing Astromeans, happens. Great he's great there. That's the line that shuts things down, man. Like I, They dump I, the puck, they go check, and then they d- change. And when I look at the lightning bottom six, I see a lot of shit disturbing and hitting. I don't see a lot else. I don't see a lot of scoring out Pat Maroon or Corey Perry or Bellamar even. Well, bottom six, like I'm just thinking this in our traditional terms. Is the bottom six really meant to score? No. You want them to, but their main goal is to shut things down. At least they can shut down, right? That's the goal. Who shuts things down on the fourth line of Maroon, Belmar, Belmar at bed, I guess? But like, Maroon's no, Cooper is physical. Would, yeah, Cooper would be petrified to put that line up against either of Toronto's top two lines. Perry isn't what he used to be. It's not like he was ever super, super, super strong defensively. Like, I don't look at that as a line where I go, oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't look at their bottom six as something that's going to be able to really shut things down. Man, right? I They've look got at... Sorelli, who's a Selkie candidate. Great defense, but that's their that's the top six. So looking and... at the bottom, unless they move him down there and put Nick Paul in the second, like I just don't I don't well, know. That's what that they've been from. doing, Brandon. I was about to get there. Yeah. They, it's what they've been doing is playing Paul up with Stamkos and kind of leveling up their centers and having Sorelli play third line kind of shut down. But and then it's like well really Nick Paul as your second like that's what I'm saying. Uh, maybe take maybe Tavares it's just over Paul then. <laughs> maybe it's just me and my bias still of thinking is Nick Paul is his third liner from Ottawa and not you know, I don't know if he's stayed elevated this year. Let's take a quick look. He's played 79 games. He's got 17 goals. He's got 32 points. 20 goals, right? He's just under 20 goals, but it's not. Yeah. But it's a playoff series, right? Center. Like you said, everything changes. But when I look at the bottom six of Tampa Bay and Toronto, Braden, what mm-hmm. I see is Dubis winning the trade deadline. He knew who his opponent was at the trade deadline. Tampa Bay acquired Janot. He's not healthy, unfortunately. Even if he was, the Leafs added Lafferty, O'Reilly, Achari, and McCabe, and Shen to this lineup. And all those players, after what we've seen for those last two months, fitting in great and looking great for this round one. We've gone through the forwards 
the defense and the goalies now. I'd like to look at special teams just to point out quickly. Let's be quick here because we were spending a lot of time on this. Leafs and Lightning have the same PP, virtually the <laughs> same PK. What is your prediction for the series? Now, everyone can get fancy with this. I wanted to touch on that one last piece, though. And I can touch on it now. Number one. It's going seven games. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's going seven games. It always goes seven games. It has to go seven games. It it will go seven. No one's going to win in less than seven. It goes seven games. Some things just are the way they are. I have spoken. Two to one odds, by the way. It's seven games. Put your money down. As far as who wins, Tyler, I don't know if you've ever read uh, this book. I think it's called 99 by Wayne Gretzky. Here we go. Now, Gretz has a Rain's story. I don't, and I, I don't know if you uh, are aware. The Islanders used to be really good back in the uh, 70s, 80s. They won four Stanley Cups in a row. Good. Yeah. So en route to their fourth Stanley Cup, Gretz and his Oilers played the uh, played played the Islanders. And Gretz tells the story about how after uh, they lost um, the series to the Islanders, he walks by the Islanders dressing room and it's dead quiet. No one's talking. They're all like, "Oh fuck!" Like and. We, you know, there's still work to be done. We haven't won the cup yet. And that's when Gretz had the realization, oh, fuck, like it takes a lot of work to win a Stanley Cup because they lost their fucking shit. The Oilers lost their shit when they won their first round and had made the playoffs. So what Gretz gets into is that the next year, the Oilers, when they won their first cup, they beat the Islanders. That's the team that they beat was the four-time, you know, the four-time defending champions. And Gretz doesn't say that they won because they were a better team. Right. Gretz attributes that win to the Islanders at the, you know, they just played an entire fucking season of hockey with all the additional playoff games. A lot of fucking games. Right. You're playing what, 30 games of playoffs if you win the cup? Right. It adds up to a full season. It's a lot. So not only is it a full season, it's less recovery, it's less time off in the offseason to recover from those injuries and to just relax your body. And, uh, Fuller belly. Yeah. These guys are fucking tired, dude. Like, that's where I really look at that bottom six. How do you feel if you're Pat Maroon, who's gone, what, four Stanley Cup finals in a row now? Corey Perry, same exhausted. way. Dude, those guys are exhausted. Like, they're professionals and at the highest level. But no fucking way they're not dying right now and struggling to get through the season. I think they're too tired, man. Like every juggernaut has his day, right? Like the Islanders, eventually that four-year thing, their uh, dynasty came to an end. The Penguins we talked about earlier came to an end, it looks like. Capitals. The Kings. Kings are back, but it came to an end. Um, I think the the Lightning have played too much hockey in the last couple of years. They're tired. I think this is it. Leafs in seven. I love that prediction. Leafs in seven. I think game seven is a great bet and it feels like it has to go game seven for the Leafs. You know, it, it makes will. so it's, much sense. It's the easiest bet in the world. It's like betting on a former Leaf to score against them or the Canucks to boost their odds at the end of the season and ruin everything for the best player in the draft. As a Leafs fan, I also will be putting money on Tampa Bay to win the series in seven games at plus 550. You are not so a real fan. That's definitely what I'm doing, but I'm okay to lose money to be happy. Here's what I'm going to say about the Leafs. Here's my prediction. 
the Leafs are winning the fucking first round this year. Okay? They're doing it. It's for your money on it. They have the better team. I have 50 bucks on them to win the cup. I have a bunch (laughs) of other bets. Don't you worry. The Leafs are winning the first round. And I think it might just be a fucking sweep. They have the better team, Braden. They have a pretty great goalie. He's 19-3 at 19-3-3 at home. Samsonov's been killing it. Their special teams, I believe, will perform better than the Lightnings. They have home advantage. Their defense is better. Their stars are better. Their bottom six forwards are better. Tampa Bay, they got swept by Columbus in 2019. Left a sour taste in their mouth. They went on to win back-to-back cups and go to a Stanley Cup final. Almost made it a third cup. They're going out with this little mini dynasty that they created with a sweep by the hands of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they win a fucking round for the first time since 2004. That's what happens. The Leafs win. If not a sweep, it will not be five or six games. It will be seven. It's going seven. It's 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 the Leafs. It's going seven. But also... I feel fucking good about them winning. I feel really good about them winning. I'm nervous, though. All right, next. Well, uh, so you know what? We just spent an hour and a half or however long that was doing one playoff matchup. So we are thinking of doing Rangers Devils. Let's bring that to you next week instead. We're going to a new segment. It's called Milestones. It's brought to you by Jack Astors, but I do want to give a special thanks to Kelsey's. Uh, We're also featuring Applebee's, uh, and it is produced by Cactus Clubs. Thank you. So but it milestones. is milestones. But it is milestones. The segment is called milestones. Not but to it be is brought, confused with. Not to be confused with those other restaurants. But milestones. The segment is brought to you by Jack Astor's. The special thanks to Kelsey's featuring Applebee's. Uh, with all due respect to Cactus Club and Earls. Don't forget Joey. Um, as the name would suggest, we're looking at milestones. What's <laughs> happened around the league this week? Big week. Joe Pavelski, Klaus Jaru. Both of them hitting a thousand points. Old men scoring a lot of points. Thoughts, Tyler? I love the a thousand point mark because it finally gets into the discussion of hey, are these guys Hall of Fame guys? Are these guys no. just really good? And I kind of wanted good. to propose that question to you. You They're think both neither good. of them are Hall of Fame? Because here's my proposition to you, Braden. Pavelski's top five amongst active players in playoff games played as well. If Pavelski were to win a cup this year with his longevity hitting a thousand points. Don't you think he's worth consideration? I don't think true like, is, but I there's believe too many Pavelski's very better. good players in. And I don't like the, I don't like the, Oh, they made the playoffs a bunch. Cool. Like you're one guy. You know what I mean? Like fucking Ron Hainsey never made the playoffs. Should he get in? Cause he did the opposite. Right. Well, no, but I, I think no, I to me that's the same thing. That's like going 17 for 17 or 0 for 17 in your parlay. It's just as impressive either way that you hit on nothing or that you hit on everything. That's not true. As no. long as you take all like it's way more impressive okay, when you okay, hit. Okay. Let's let's put it this way. Like if you're taking like easy things, like easy, 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 you're like you're always taking the favor, like heavy, heavy favorites in your parlay. Like it's just as crazy that none of them would hit as it would all of them hit. You know what I mean? Like it's the same fucking thing, I guess, is just what I mean. Like you're one guy. You don't have a fucking. You don't determine if your team makes the playoffs in hockey or not. This isn't basketball. So okay, but Braden, to be fair, we should be giving respect to 
players for their playoff performance. Oh, I'll give and you respect. He has 64 playoff goals. Yeah, like that's good, but like I don't know, I just I don't That's good. That's pretty good. And that's Who, why I'm better, let's put it easy. This is an easy Hall of Fame question. Here's the benchmark I throw at it. Is Joe Pavelski better than Alex McGillney? I don't know if McGillney should be the benchmark because I don't think he's better than McGillney, but I think he okay, could there be you better go. than the players that McGillney's, are in the hall. McGillney's not in. You don't get in. McGillney should be in, but there's an easy one. But are that's you like saying, are in? you better than Barry Bonds? Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame. Therefore, like... <laughs> yeah, but that's like, you know, like, like steroids. I hear you. And because so, he's racist. We'll we'll move past it then. I guess you don't want to deal with the question even at all. I'm, we'll I'm willing it. to deal it's with fine. it. It's just I, I think that we have too many players of that caliber where they're really, really good. But I don't think they're great. Well, shout out to Pavelski and Drew for hitting a thousand. Yeah. You want to talk it's... about PD hitting a hundred? Yes. Uh Elias Petrosan, uh the best Swedish player in the NHL currently, hit a hundred points for the first time in his career. That's sick. Shaved his head. Looks like the Sedins. Other players who deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and are in the Hall of Fame as a result. Um, no, PD, 100, first 100-point season. It's nasty. He's nasty. He's elite. That's a big milestone. Um, can't wait for him to definitely resign here and not leave Vancouver. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Thoughts? What do you think? He deserves Selkie. He deserves Selkie consideration this year, dude. Well, I think PD's been... Really good, especially with the type of season and what's been around him, what's been going on in the Vancouver fan base. Good for PD. 100 points is nothing to shake your dick at. McKinnon just got 100 points for the first time in his career this season. Didn't he also miss like a crazy amount of time, though? McKinnon? I I mean, but like think of how long of a career he's had. He's never hit 100 once. Like I'm just setting up in perspective. We all know how much we love McKinnon, how good he is. That's how yeah. good you have to be to hit 100 points. Marner hasn't done it yet in his career. 100 points is quite the milestone. The craziest thing to me for Pedersen, though, at 100 points, because Nuge has, what, 108, I think, right now. So, oh, Nuge is ahead. Elias, Nuge and Hopkins has 47 power play points. Yeah. PD has 22. He only has six goals on the power play. Yeah, that's pretty good. And five on like, five absolutely is more valuable. If he turns it on a little bit more, if he's not so snake bitten, like this is a hundred twenty five point player. He's a franchise player. He's a franchise player. Um, and questions so, were about that going into the season. There were questions saying, could Petey be like competitive with the McDavid's of the world in a playoff series? At this point, you can say, yeah, this guy can lead your team for the next decade dude coming into the season there's people who thought jt miller was the better player there's yeah. people who thought Pedersen was even the best player on the canucks like it's it, it's insane no like Pedersen's. do you think Pedersen's the best player on the canucks yeah i think he is no question in my opinion i think quinn hughes is the only discussion you can have but yeah. pd to me is by is absolutely more valuable to your team than quinn hughes is it's close for me, man. It's really close. Like, I don't know if we, we want to get into have it more now. Canucks discussion in another. Let's day. get into it. When we talk Norris, we'll talk PD or we'll talk Hughes because he deserves uh, some more. Okay. Other milestones. Last milestone. 
we're talking thousand points. We're talking hundred points. Time for the biggest milestone of them all. Austin Matthews uh, has hit a goal milestone that 15 other players in this league have hit this year. So, you know, it's a big milestone. He's got 40 goals. Well, it's his fifth 40 goal season, and it's the most 40 goal seasons by a Maple Leaf ever. Which is insane with how young he is. Yeah, He's in his first contract after his ELC, and he has the most 40-goal seasons as a Leaf ever. He's going to be the Leaf with the most goals, points, by it's all done. Maybe Marner with the points, actually. But Matthews will be the best goal scorer of Leaf history. He's one of the best goal scorers in NHL right now. Clear pace for 600 goals, which if you get 600 goals, you're in the Hall of Fame. No one's never not made into the Hall of Fame. You have 600 goals. He's almost at 300 already. I think I just need to take a moment to appreciate his greatness. Marner also close to 100 points, but they will be measured in the first round this year. What I really want to get into, Braden, is Eric Carlson is the first D-man to get 100 points since Brian Leach 30 years ago, the first European demon to hit the mark ever. He is the heavy Norris debate or the, sorry, the heavy Norris favorite, but there is a debate to be made. He is so good offensively. He's won the Norris twice before due to his offensive paralysis. And this is his best offensive year ever, the best defensive year in 30 years, but he is in the one percentile according to advanced stats at defense. Can we award Eric Carlson the best defenseman award despite his defensive warts? Call me old fashioned, but I think a defenseman should be able to play defense. I think that's a core component of the position of defenseman. <laughs> Is you to know, play defense? Uh, it's to play defense. So now, does he. You know, if we look at it as a whole, is he still a net positive? Yeah. It's tough to not be a net positive when you're that. It's just, it's just and like. Can we also point out that he's on the Sharks and they've been out of the playoffs since December? So he's probably being given the green light to just do whatever the fuck he wants offensively. Yeah, but I, I saw a point last year too. And I was just like, Yossi, if you remember last year, it was a big debate last year. Who's the best defenseman? Who's yeah, a better we defensive were so, defenseman? Well, we were talking about Yossi hard to win last year. He scored a bunch of goals, had clear Makar of points. Right. Makar so won I, it. So I've got this. Yossi, who's a better defensive defenseman? Let's put it by that. Who's better at defense? Eric Carlson or Roman Yossi? Oh, my God. Yossi is so much better than Eric Carlson. Okay. Eric Carlson is a great offensive defenseman. Roman Yossi is a great offensive defenseman. Yossi is average defensively. Eric Carlson is terrible defensively. Okay, there we go. I didn't even say Yossi's better than average, right? He's good. Like, he's a very good defensive player. Right. Um, Yossi had 98 points. So why is it that Carlson with two more points is a fucking shoe-in for the award? And no one's even close, despite these huge defensive awards. But the guy who had two less points and is subsistent, like substantially better on defense right. was... Didn't even win the fucking Is it just because it's the pretty number? Is that what you're saying? That's 100% what it is. It's a pretty number. Right. In a year where goal scoring's up, and like if you looked at goals over the era, last year's 98 points was probably worth 103 in this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a good point. So 
Eric Carlson's minus 600. So the betting odds say he's a six to one favorite to win it, but you're saying he's, he's not deserving of it because of his no. defense sports. No, I don't, I don't think he did. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he deserves it, but I, we should remark that he generates 2.29 fucking points per 60 minutes. Second place, as far as defensemen go, is 1.7. Third place is 1.5. Like, he is so much better offensively this year than the next defenseman that you you can have this debate with how good of an offensive season he's having that it doesn't matter that he's not been that good defensively. It's the best offensive defenseman in 30 years. Yeah, but it's... It's a to me. It's 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 the pretty number thing. Brayden, he's got the most five on five points by any skater this year. More than McKinnon, more than McDavid, who's got one hundred and fifty points this year. He has more five on five points than McDavid. But he can't play defense. But he can't play defense. But he's defenseman. He has to play defense. Now, if I'm looking at a defenseman, want them to play D. You know, we can look around. We can see there's this one guy out there. I see he's got a, he's got a he's plus twenty, plus minus is plus twenty at five on five. It's pretty good. Now, when he's on, now that's when he's on the ice. His team is plus twenty. When he's off the ice at five on five, they're thirty nine under. Oof, that's pretty bad. Exactly. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. This player I'm talking about. You remember when Taylor Hall won the MVP for New Jersey? That was because he was the most valuable to his team. And Carlson's yeah. the most valuable to his team. Think about where the Sharks would be without that. But this other guy, just remember, there's like a 60 goal differential here when he's on the ices versus when he's off the ice for his team at evens. He's fifth in reducing shot attempts in the NHL. That's pretty good. Top five. Oh, did I forget to mention he's second in points by a defenseman? So it sounds like this guy's really good at defense and he's second overall in points. You know what I'm talking about right now? It sounds like you're describing Adam Fox. No. Who are you describing? I'm describing Mr. Quinton Hughes. Oh man, this fucking guy. He actually has been, but no one's give a shit about Vancouver since like December. So no one's really noticed that he's had a great offensive and defensive year. Quinn Hughes is a deserves Norris votes. I don't, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's number one. Like, I don't think he's number one. Well, can I uh, ask you just as a little pivot, who is number one? Just for the clips in the podcast, you are the podcast, a podcast host. Let's hear your opinion. I hear Lindholm all the time. I, I, uh, stats wise, I guess it's Lindholm. I don't know. I, I guess it's my own mental bias against Lindholm. To me, it is Eric Carlson. I'm giving it to Eric Carlson despite the defensive warts, and I would put Adam Fox second place in my voting. I go Fox. I, I think I'd go Fox number one. I'd go Fox one, Lindholm two, Nor Hughes three. That's my top three. Okay, I would put Darlene as my third. I think he had a tremendous year. Yeah, and if you look at his defensive partners too, he was carrying rookies. Hey, don't even get me started on who your defensive partner is because Quinn Hughes has had that's another Luke great point Shen, for Hughes. Kyle Burrows, yep. Tyler Myers, nobody's there. Ethan Bear is the best defenseman that Quinn Hughes has had as a partner this year. If you compare that to Eric Carlson, though, Carlson also played with nobodies. Nobodies. If you want to say Vlasic's good, I'll punch you in the face. 
he was so good in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that is the conclusion of Milestones presented by Kelsey's. A special thanks to Applebee's and a couple of the restaurants. So I don't really want to talk about the play-in tournament without Kai because he's really been trying to die in to get into that. Um I do want to get into Love Corner if you're okay with it, but if there any, do you want to get into any more NHL series, or should we just wrap it up with Love Corner before we, we hop can wrap off? up Love Corner? It's gonna be a little Love Corner. It's gonna be a little bit of everything. I got a lot of things I gotta talk about. All right, let's hear it out, bud. Okay, so first off, I'll, I'll start off with this. It's a little gross, but like I can't believe I, this is the thing. So I'm at the gym. I, you know, it's just your listeners, out. me, the world listening. That's all. Go ahead. And like I, I'm going to the washroom, so I'm going for my pre my pre gym uh, leak. Cause you know, you got to get the fluids out of your system. And there's this guy, he's in the stall and, uh, his shorts are on the ground beside him. So, you know, he's fighting through hell shorts. Yikes. Shirt. Yeah. And his that's feet are sh- his legs are shaking and he's barefoot in the stall. Wait, how are you seeing all this detail? Did you peer down? No, it's just like the, the like the door, you know, like the stall, like heights, like up. A no, bit, I understand how far you are. Like you could see, like just the feet level. But you're it's just a podcaster. Like, you have a podcast coming. My up brother in Christ, my brother in Christ, was fighting some demons in there. But I was just like, to go barefoot in a gym bathroom stall is Oof. absolute insanity. I don't when care what thing, demons you're when fighting. When was that the last clean? Do you think the floor, of the bathroom? No way. It's a good, like it's good life. Like they are pretty clean, but still, like I would never in the shower. If you forget your like your slides, okay, I can see running in there barefoot. Fuck it, there's soap on the ground. The stall, the stall that's surrounded by steroid needles and poop. <laughs> no, and I just wanted to bring that up. I thought it was insane. Now that I'm thinking about it. The gym stall is probably the weirdest place to do steroids because you're injecting stuff into your butt where people poop. I don't know about that. I actually think it's one of the best places to do steroids is near a gym. No, no. If you're doing fine, steroids. But just of all the places inside the gym. In this, like, I get the, like, you do it in where the else stall are you gonna privacy. do it? Like, right outside the squat rack? I feel as though like, you want the privacy. No, but like in the oh. change room itself, like, Go to a little corner, wait till it's a little dead, and then do it in the change room. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's just insane to do it in the stall where there's poop. Like there's would the poop, you like would you do steroids? I don't no. know because I feel as though they they're getting safer and safer. And Maybe why not those, just like, make it easier to get muscle? Right? I've been thinking about just start jabbing. Well, you my could just ass get like testosterone. Like you could just get that, and like that'll do it, right? But like if I was just taking like test pills, or like you can even get tested as like a cream. Like I have no issues with that. I'd do that. But if like, there's any sponsors looking to get like testosterone pill sponsors, listen to the podcast. But a needle in your in your butt, like a needle in your butt cheek, like that's just the level that I don't think. Like I would feel like I was doing heroin. I wouldn't be able to get over like the mental gap of like I'm putting a needle in me. Mm. Like maybe if I could share the needle with other gym goers, so we could be more like fiscally responsible, I would do it. <laughs> but that's the only way I could see it. And well, then it's like. It's like peer, not peer pressure, but peer support. I think I derailed your story, buddy. I'm sorry. So there's this guy fighting for his life in the bathroom. Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, you're a maniac if you're not wearing shoes in the bathroom stall. That's it. <laughs> it's just, it really blew by. Like, I can't believe somebody was doing that. So I go to the bar, though, this weekend to get into Love The Corner listeners want bit. to know about love. Cue the Love Corner music. I'm glad you did that because we didn't actually have music cued. Um, it's been rough. 
<laughs> no, uh, you know, we had a little breakup for the kids, which whatever, like, shit happens, didn't work out, she's a lovely lady. That's life. Um, It's tough meeting people at the stage, man. When you're at a university, like, it's tough to meet people. I don't, I'm, I'm off the apps right now. I know I got to get on there again. I got to get better picks before I get back on there so I can have a But the political profile. game of the online is it's It does. so much harder It than feels in person, like right? so many people are just on. Well, even then, dudes, like just online, it really feels like most people are just there to fuck around or like, I don't want to like shit on people and say they're only there for attention, but it does feel like a lot of people just, it, they're, they're, they're not for serious. The swipe. I hear they're you. They're not serious. Absolutely. Right. So it's that. And then like, even in person, it's been getting me down, man. I go to the bar. I'm funny. I'm good looking and shit. And I kick ass, man. Like it takes me a couple drinks to get enough confidence to speak to a woman because women are scary and they're like a sphere. But uh, like I love women too, though. But like just like like you you'll go talk to one to a lady, and like I kick ass. I'm like I'm fucking killing it. She's like, oh my god, you're so funny. And I'm like, you're motherfucking right, I am. And then you. She goes. She goes. Do you want my snap? I go. No. I want your number because I'm not a young fuck boy. <laughs> I get the number. I'm like, what do you oh, mean let's go. we need to get into this little con I'm like gonna get you're a date. too I'm gonna get a date out of this. And then I hit her up the next day, and it's like either ghosted or just super dry. And it's like, what the fuck was the point of this? Like, why are we? Why? Why do we do this? Like, I don't know. It's just. It, it just feels like nobody's serious about it and it's just like there's nowhere to meet anyone that being said i go to the bar this past weekend and i'm feeling down so i wasn't even sure if i was gonna go or not but i'm like fuck it like you gotta force yourself to go out that's a depression tip for you you know when you're feeling upset and you don't want you want to stay in don't you gotta force yourself to go out keep that written down for your notes listeners so and i forced then myself drink to depressants. go out yeah and like So I, I go out and I'm at, I'm sitting at the bar. I'm waiting for my drink to come. You know, I'm a I'm a classic drinker. I get a I get a double Jack and Coke. Uh, so I'm waiting for it to come, and it shows up. It's given to me, and it's got this little lime in. It. And this well, this lady beside me, she goes, "Yeah, lime." <laughs> Wait, what'd she say? No, lime. And she's I'm like going to pointing make that at me and the smiling. title of the episode. I'm not sure how, but. And I go, yeah. And I'm like, I think she's hitting on me. I don't know. So she, uh, I, I walk away and I don't say much to her. So I seem mysterious. Was it intentional? No, I wasn't drunk enough to talk to a woman yet. I didn't know what she said. And I wasn't, I, I What? didn't know what to do. What do you mean? So, so, You got game. so we'll, we'll get to this later on in the night. I'm hanging out. It's like me and this guy I know. Um, we'll refer to, we'll refer to him as, uh, give me a name. We can refer to him Jim as, Bob. we'll call him Jim Bob. And, uh, I'm like, Jim Bob, like, I haven't seen you in a little bit. So we start talking. Uh, and while we're talking to him, the girl that came up to me at the bar and a couple of her friends come over. There's a short brunette. There's the medium height brunette. And there's a tall brunette. I'm like, short brunette's cute. I want to talk to her. Um, I introduce myself. She introduces herself. It goes nowhere. I'm like, that was dry. Medium height brunette's like, this medium height brunette's the one that, that was like, cucumber to me earlier. She goes, oh, hey, you got to meet my friend. I go, okay. So she tops Tall Burnett. And Tall Burnett turns over. When I didn't talk in Tall Burnett, like, look, I'm like 5'10", right? Like, that's my height. I'm not exaggerating. I'm honest with my height. Um, this chick turns around, and she's like 6'5". Like, she's tall. <laughs> dude, that's Like, she's an exaggeration. tall. She's tall. She's not I'm six like, I'm foot not even joking. five, though. I'm not even joking, dude. I'm not even joking. This chick's like 6'5". Beautiful woman, but, like, tall as shit. Like, I'm not one to, like, really be... I'm down. It's just like, I know that she's probably not going to be down for a guy that's like seven inches shorter than her. If So she's outboarding you 
in a basketball game, you're you have a problem with it. That's what you're saying. Well, so she said she's like, oh hi. I'm like, I don't know whatever her fucking name is. I'm like, oh hi. Like I'm brain. We talk a little bit. And it doesn't like. There's no spark, right? Like whatever. So she cuts. Not because like I was bad, but like she just goes to talk to somebody else. So the medium brunette goes, oh, like what do you think of her? I'm like, she's cute, but like she's tall. And she goes, is that an issue? I'm like, not really. It's just like I'm gonna have to be like uppies. Like that's like the type of shit. Like I'd have to do with uppies. Uh, I'd be like asking for uppies and shit. And then like I get some laughs. I'm like, fuck, I'm funny. So then she asks me. <laughs> she she goes. She goes. So what kind of women do you like? And I respond with. Uh, women that are insane and make me want to kill myself because they are, they yell at me a lot. Which is a classic line of yours. You've it's been a... using it for a year or so. Yeah, and like I didn't get any laughs. And I think it's a funny, I think that's a funny line. I got no laughs. I just got looks. I went, fuck, like not the crowd. Well, Whatever. It's, it's more for you than the crowd. It's always more for me. Any joke I make, 99% of the time, nobody laughs except me. But it's for me, so I don't give a shit. Um, thank you, Norm, for teaching me your ways. So the crowd disperses we go our own ways later on and then i'm waiting for another drink i'm looking mysterious at the bar again you know and uh medium brunette comes over to me and uh she's like what did you say your name was again and uh i go it's uh i go it's jim bob you know the guy we know yeah our mutual friend i go it's jim bob she goes you a dirty little slut engineer like jim bob because you know the guy's an engineer i go only for you um and then she just starts making out with me and i was like oh i'm such a rock star like i'm so cool the idea being she thought you might be jim bob instead of Braden. no she knew i was Braden. she just thought it was a funny line okay so uh that happens and then i, I say to her i'm like that's a pretty good first impression and then she laughs and walks away and i didn't say a word to her for the rest of the night um though i did get her instant now apparently she's a lesbian. <laughs> she, Apparently she only likes women. I, I so. love how you like skipped past one of like a big thing. Yeah, and then didn't talk to her wrestling. Well, like I don't know. I was like, fine. I was. I, I went to talk to her. I, it's not like I went to talk to her. I got scared and ran away. It's just like it was always group setting, and like you know when like it's a group setting, you're trying to talk to an individual person, but you just don't find a way, and like Awkward they do too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was one of those, and then like I don't know, a buddy of mine was like, oh, I, I tried to. I was trying to set you. Jim Bob was like, I was trying to set you up. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, like I've seen if I could be a wingman, like get you a one night stand. I'm like trying to find love and it's like it's okay she she she's she said she's too nervous she doesn't want to tonight i'm like damn i'll, I'll dm what? her then so i get her insta well yeah like i just want to make it clear like you're not looking for a one night stand are no, you like, why, why would jim bobs suppose that that was your idea like isn't it clear uh, he hasn't seen me your in friends? 10 years he's okay. trying to be a wingman for the man i'm not gonna i'm he was he did he did he did good he did good you know that was a good guy right there but uh I got her Insta. I sure sh- I hit her up. Left on red. Left on red. That's left on red. You explain that one to me. You that's came Brandon's to left me. corner in a in a segment right there. So then left the other red. thing that happened to me when I'm at the bar, I was talking to this other dude. I'm I can't say his name for for security purposes, but I'm talking. I kind of also because I forgot his name. Um, but uh, this guy, I'm I'm talking to him. We're making jokes. He's a Spanish looking motherfucker. And he goes, uh, I make some joking. You know when you make a joke and you tap a guy on their chest? Yeah. I do that. and he's got Usually with like the like... backhand fingers? One of yeah, those. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do one of those, like right above his nip. Because I'm trying to cap the feel too. And he's yeah. got this like thing underneath there. I'm like, the fuck? Are you wired up? Are you tapped up? Like, Right, you feel something on his chest. Yeah, on his chest. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you wire? Are you a cop? And he starts laughing. He goes, no, my dad's in the cartel. 
I go, what? And he goes, yeah, you want all, he goes, I'll sell you two kilos of Coke right now for 50 bucks. And I go, dude, like, what? I never, I've never done a line. You think I'm ready to buy wait, two wait, kilos? Wait, 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 wait. So, back so up. I go, you tap this man on the chest randomly at a bar, you're telling him a story. You feel something in his chest, and he, he presents information to you that he's in the cartel. His father. Okay. So I'm like, I don't believe. I think there's no way, dude. He goes, Yeah. I go, like, what? What? And he goes, So he goes, That thing that you felt? And I go, Yeah. And he lifts up a shirt, and it's a fucking bulletproof vest. What? And he goes, I shit you not. And he goes, I can't go anywhere in, in public without wearing one of these. And I'm like, Ontario. We're in Oshawa. I, yeah. I'm like, Oshawa. We're in, we're in the like I, I I think you're okay. And he goes, yeah, but Toronto's sketchy. But like I always wear it just to be safe. I'm like, fair enough, dude. And he showed me fucking pictures of shit. I'm like, god damn, like this motherfucker's serious. And he goes, you still don't believe me? I'm like, kind of believe you. And then like this chick that he's there with, he he calls her up and he's like, he goes, tough. He goes, he doesn't believe my yeah, that my dad's in the cartel. I'm like, I believe it. And this chick completely unprompted goes, I had a sex tape that got leaked in high school and. His dad told me to let him know if there's anything I can do or he can do for me to, you know, stop the release of the tape or from stopping it to get around or I don't know if she's getting bullied or some shit. He just said, let me know if there's anything I can do. I think it's a little insane to go up to somebody you've never met and say I had a sex tape get released in high school. But I was just like, holy fuck, like this dude's dad in the cartel. And he was like, Let's I don't know. Am I? I think I should cut the child pornography part of this. I didn't. I Podcast. I didn't I didn't ask to see it. I didn't want to see it. I said, okay, it's just weird to throw that out unprompted. Yeah, just to bring up child porn out of nowhere. A little bit. I was just like, like I guess good on the cartel guy for I saying if October. there's anything he can do to help. But it was just it was I was just like that's a really weird thing to bring up unprompted to a stranger. Um, both both the the the, the tape as well as their uh, their their cartel affiliation. But uh, really nice dude. I think that the cartel would have a way better reputation if they hired him as their spokesperson. You're going to do cocaine then with the cartel guy? Is that the idea now? No. Like so, so I won't do it because my personality is too addictive already and I'm already high energy enough as is. And you're addicted to the game? I would love it. I know I would love it. So I will refuse to do it because I know I'd get it. We are an anti-drug podcast. Unless you guys want to sponsor us, we will promote nicotine, anything, weed, whatever. But there's just only one drug for money that we support on this podcast. What drug is that, Braden? Love. <laughs>